0: Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. That's why I've been entitled to such. uh, Now that you know, uh, what will be your conduct? And I say that because the Apostle's goal is to instruct each of one of these congregations with everything there is for them to know concerning the will of the Lord and the things of the kingdom of God and including doctrinal things. And of course, including even the end of the age and the things to come even in their, their time period, as we've went over here these last number of weeks. So now, we're looking at an issue about what will be your conduct. Um, and I think that th- these things always go together. Uh, this is life in itself. Uh, now that you've been taught, now that you've been trained, now that you've come to this point, now how are you going to live? Um, within these things now today uh, we're still reading someone else's mail (laughs) in in a sense Uh, this was written to them but we can certainly look at it and and see that these things are uh, these things have a lot to do with Christian living in general not only for them but for us too, and and those through the ages we're going to look at the last few teachings that the uh, the church assembly there in Thessalonica received. And as I said, they had received a lot. Uh, not only had the apostle taught there for some time, but now he's writing in the letter, and he'll write another letter to make sure that they are on firm ground, that they understand what it is he has been teaching And they'll be strengthened by it. That's the goal. So when we help our Christian brother or sister, our goal is to benefit them. It's not to harm them. It's not to, we may have to correct them, but we correct them so they will be better and not broken down and worse. And the church, the teachings of the Lord's Church make these things important, and they, and they make it work, if you follow the teachings. They've been taught many things through the preaching and teaching of Paul, the apostle, and the evangelists that he had sent their way, all of the important things <coughs> of life. Now, I added that. I, that's what I think. I think these are the important things of life for people. Namely, or concerning, if you will, concerning the God of heaven, his will for mankind. They've been taught that. Some of them didn't know about the God of heaven. Some some did. Some of them didn't. Concerning the Son of God, sent from heaven to save those believing in him as their savior. That's what he taught them about. He taught them concerning the kingdom of Christ as preached by the apostles, the kingdom of God without end, the church. And concerning the doctrines and the order for the assemblies, for the saints living in Christ, the assemblies of Christ that were on earth at that time and that would come, that would follow through the years, including this very assembly, and even concerning the times and seasons for the closing of the Jewish age. The Jews understood that their age was coming to a conclusion. Some knew very well, and some knew only uh, very faintly. But it was to happen within, according to the grammar and interpretation, within their generation, the people receiving this, this letter, so that God may be all in all. You see, that's the goal. Ephesians chapter 4, the oneness of, of God, the oneness of the Lord, the oneness of the church, the oneness of baptism, the oneness of our hope, all of it put together brings what? That God may be all in all. And that he may live with the saints without the constraints of time, That we find in Revelation 21. God is not constrained by time. We that live on earth are. We use it to measure our days. Measure our time. It's necessary for us. Yes the assembly in Thessalonica. Was concerned. About the future. A lot of these questions were about the future. Weren't they? That we read through the entire book. The future of certain people. The future of. What about the apostles that have died? What about our brothers that have died? What's the future hold for us? Tell us a little more. And they were very comforted by Paul's teachings, as we have read. These things were to be a comfort, to know certain things, to to know the time and season. Nobody knew the day of the end of the age. The Lord said that way back in the... When he was ministering. No one knows the day. The the Son of God doesn't know, the angels in heaven. Only God knew the day. But the time and seasons that they could know. And I know, I know today that Christians today are concerned about the future. They're concerned about what happens tomorrow or what's going to happen. Concerning mostly concerning the promises that they are. Uh, that they share as a child of God. What happens when I die? Well, we should know that as a Christian. We shouldn't be worried about those things. We've got the scripture. We've got the teachings for the church. These things are there for us. But brethren, it's not a mystery about what's happening or what's going to happen. But, but, We must proceed day after day in faith, in faith. Even the apostles lived in faith. Their Lord was gone to heaven. They lived day by day in faith. Yes, they had a lot of information. Yes, they had the mind of Christ. Yes, they had the word of God in revelation, but they still lived in faith and so do we. Because otherwise, as the Bible teaches, anything done apart from faith is sin in a Christian's life. To be pleasing to God, we live by faith. Now have, we, have you not read? Let's go to Hebrews chapter 9. Hebrews 9, verse 24. Alex will get it for us here quickly. And... This is just a little section out of the ninth chapter that's talking about the end of the age, the culmination of the Jewish age. And it's talking about Jesus. For Christ entered not into the holy place made with hands, in other words, not the one here on earth, like in pattern to the true, but unto the heaven itself, not to appeal before the face of God for us, now to now to appeal before the face of God for us. Verse 25, Nor yet that he should offer himself often as the high priest entereth into the holy place year by year with the blood not his own. Else he must he must he offer, have suffered since the foundation of the world. But now, but now, you see, when this is written, But now, once at the end of the ages, hath been made manifest to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. That's speaking of the Lord. The end of the age, the ages there, that'd be the ages of the the, uh, patriarchs, the ages of of the covenant people, the Jews. And insomuch as it is appointed unto men once to die, and after this cometh judgment, so Christ also, having having been once offered to bear the sins of many, shall appear a second time apart from sin to them that wait for him unto salvation. Now I could spend a whole sermon on just verse 28 showing you how the grammar Makes it uh, makes it clear that even even that verse pertains to us, because you see we are awaiting seeing our Lord also. What does it say? It's appointed unto men once to die, and after this cometh judgment. By who? We shall stand in front of the Lord. It says in another place, to be absent from the body is to be present. With the Lord. That's the Christian. To be absent from the body. To put away this body. Is to be present with the Lord. What is the concern about when we die? We know. It tells us exactly. And we are the ones that are awaiting. Yes there was a time when they were awaiting. The end of the age. As this talks about there. And uh, that was a different state. But for us, because the grammar there points towards our, the, the one going towards uh, the Lord. To them that wait for him. Uh, to them that wait for him. That, that is in the, the, uh, the grammar in, implies that we travel to him, not he travel to us. That's the clear part of that verse that's not not given in the English rendering. Uh, But nonetheless, (laughs) it happens to be true. It's us doing the traveling. Jesus is not coming uh, back to take us, in other words. We will be going to him when we put off these bodies. So we should have, in reality, less concern for the future than the people that the church people of the first century. We have a lot more light. We have the completed word. We have the the total closing out of, of prophecy and all in our own hands. So then, how should we conduct our lives with this wealth of information concerning our individual futures not only the future of man but individually the apostle addresses this in his conclusion to the first letter in thessalonians uh, chapter 5 verse 12 through 28 i'm going to read it because it needs to be read together so you can get the the narrative and then we'll just talk about a couple points of it uh... before we we wrap it up um... And just imagine, I mean, this is a salutation. This is, this is a wonderful writing that, that we, and it shows the love of the apostle for the brethren there in that congregation. Chapter 5, verse 12. Now I'm reading from the American Standard Version. But we, that is the apostle Paul and those with him and the other apostles, beseech you, brethren, to know them. That labour among you, and are over you in the Lord, and admonish you, and to esteem them that exceedingly, uh, that esteem them exceedingly highly in love for their works' sake. Be at peace amongst yourself, yourselves. yourselves. And we exhort you, brethren, admonish the disorderly, encourage the faint-hearted, support the weak, be long-suffering towards all. See that none render unto anyone evil for evil, but always follow after that which is good, one towards another and towards all. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks for this, is the will of God in Christ Jesus to you toward? Quench not the spirit, despise not prophecies, prove all things, hold fast that which is good, abstain from every form of evil. And the God of peace himself sanctify you wholly, and may your spirit and soul and body be preserved entirely without blame at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is he that calleth you, who will also do it. Brethren, pray for us. Salute all the brethren with a holy kiss. I adjure you by the Lord that this epistle be read unto all the brethren. The grace of of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. I guess the question is, it starts right out, who do you appreciate? Who do you appreciate? Let's look at Hebrews, Hebrews 13, verse 7. I'll give you what the writer of Hebrews said about this subject. Hebrews 13:7. 7. Remember them that had the rule over you, men that spake unto you the word of God, and consider the issue of their life. Imitate their faith. Now, who's he speaking about? Well, obviously, he's speaking about first the apostles, isn't he? He's also speaking about the evangelists that went out speaking and preaching the words of the apostles, the teachers that were teaching the words of the apostles. In other words, the evangelists, the elders that were taking care of the teaching within the congregations. The first Peter chapter five, I'm not going to read it. The first five verses also speaking of the same thing. This was, this was a teaching within the church they all understood. And we still understand it today. But you know, many of our churches, many, many groups have, they would rather not really have leadership in the church that is, that is according to scripture they want leadership that's according to the way that men organize situations businesses clubs so they'll have a board of this and a board of that and and uh, and they'll have sometimes it ends up where the man that speaks the loudest and stomps his foot the hardest is the boss that's not the lord's church that's not that's not the leaders that's not the teachers that's not those that preach the gospel. The point is that is those who diligently labor among you and have charge over you in the Lord and give you instruction. That's your teachers, right? You know, a lot of ways, you know, we, we all have teachers and we all have someone that's over us in the Lord including the preacher, including the elders. The apostle is making this very personal to each one of the assembly, each one of us, to esteem them very highly in love, it says, because, because of what? They're the richest man in town or the most powerful, the best speaker, the the well-dressed? No. No because of their work because of the work they do for the lord this is what it's all about it has nothing to do with the the trappings of of society here's the admonitions and these are things that just are common sense really live in peace with one another Admonish the unruly. Encourage the faint-hearted. Help the weak. Be patient with all men. Not just the ones you like, but even those that are troublesome. Be patient. Yeah, you can admonish them, but you need to be patiently doing it. No getting even. No evil for evil. You know, somehow there's Christians that still think they can... Getting even just evens the playing field. No, it doesn't. What it does is it it does violence to the teaching of the church. We don't get even with anybody. If we do, we put ourselves in a worse condition than the person who wronged us. Seek after good for, for one another and for all men. now here's the thing you got to ask yourself can can we do this can we do it well we must do it why because this is the apostolic teaching for the church this is the lord's will for his people if you are in christ this is how you live this is your character this is your attitude This is the character of the child of God. And regardless of how hard it is to do some of these things, we know that these things are right. I didn't say it was easy to live this way. I said this is what we must do to be a child of God. In good standing. And then it moves right into actually the rewards of doing such a thing as this. And all these admonishments. It says rejoice always. Rejoice always. Verse 16. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing and everything give thanks. And this is the will of God in Christ Jesus to you, ward. Welch not the spirit. despise not prophecies, prove all things, hold fast which is good and abstain from every form of evil. That's not easy to do. Nonetheless, we must strive to do so. Each one of them, each one of them reading this letter, hearing this letter read, and us today, we didn't know about these things. Before the word of the Lord came to us. We didn't know about these things. We didn't know that this is what is necessary. Um, We didn't know any of this before the apostolic message concerning Christ, concerning the church, concerning salvation, concerning the God of heaven who caused all of this to happen. We didn't know until we heard the apostolic message. And yet... It's the the apostles and their message that is being underplayed and ignored in Christendom today to the destruction of those that are following such teachings. We need to be back on it. We need to be on it and we need to be promoting it and talking about it. So rejoicing then, because this causes us to be able to rejoice. If we do these things, rejoice is, is to live in Christ. To be a Christian is to live in Christ. It's a place where you can truly rejoice. You know, years ago, I did a study on the word rejoice, comparing it to happy. Well, they're, they're not the same. Rejoicing is a, is an, is an attitude that you have. It's inside of you. It's what you feel when you wake up and realize who you are. It's not just being happy. You know, we're happy sometimes when something happens, but how long does it last? Sometimes it can be five minutes, or it could be a, a few months. It's for a season, happiness, that sort of happiness. I'm talking about rejoicing. Knowing through faith that you have a future with God, for always, without end. So all of this brings us to the last point, the presence of the Lord. Verse 23, And the God of peace himself sanctify you wholly. Some scriptures use the word may in there. And may your spirit and soul and body be preserved entire without blame at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, Paul completes his words with the most loving of salutation. I believe that's what this is. This is a very loving salutation about may you be sanctified completely. May the God of peace sanctify you entirely, it says. And then it sets the time frame, the time frame for this to be accomplished. The last part of that verse, in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ. In the, pe- in the presence. See it? In the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ. When is that? That is, of course, the event, the parousia, as I've spoke of, the conclusion of the age of the first covenant, A.D. 70 to 74. That's what these people receiving this letter were about to see. You see that word coming? It's a noun. It's not a verb. So it's a it's an event. And this feminine nature, and all the different things, it shows that this is an event for a group, Perusia, of uh, the Lord. Our all of all of this showing, of course, this is all within the 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 idea of the Christian. But the great event that spoke of that we have been looking at here for weeks and weeks, he comes back to that. Why? Because this is the conclusion of this letter. This, once again, he brings this in. All of this that comes in, it goes, funnels right down to an apex, a point. But all of it, all the letter, all of the days of these people that received that letter, all of it was accomplished. All that they hoped for, all that they eagerly awaited through faith was the faithfulness of the brethren in Christ. But it's all based on the reality. And this is what Christians then knew and Christians now should know and understand. There isn't any There's black and white here. This, this is the truth of it. The reality is that God always does exactly what he has said he would do. All through the Bible, we've got proof text after proof text within the scripture from Genesis 1-1 all the way to the end of the scriptures about God says it and and it's accomplished. Um, As I was looking at thinking about our study this morning in Daniel... Talking about kingdoms that had not even been established yet. Remember what God said about himself in the prophets. That that he knows a thing. He knows the things, a thing's end before it begins. So he knows the end of a kingdom before it was even founded. He knew about Alexander the Great's demise and the end of his kingdom before Alexander the Great was even alive. That's what God knows. We don't know, but he told us. This is a faith builder. In that, our faith is grounded. You want to ground your faith? Read the the things of God, and you'll have your faith grounded. And I want to close today by looking at Revelation 22. These are the things that John heard said to him. He heard God saying, and he heard the angel saying, but here God is saying, and he said unto me, that is to John, the last chapter of Revelation, these words are faithful and true, and the Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets, sent his angel to show unto his servants the things which, which must shortly come to pass. Shortly come to pass? In the life of John. You understand that. And behold. I come quickly. Blessed is he that that keepeth the words of the prophecy of this book. And I John. Am he that heard and saw these things. And when I heard and saw. I fell down to worship before the feet. Of the angel that showed me these things. And he said unto me, See that thou do not do it. I am a fellow servant with thee, and with thy brethren, the prophets, and with them that keep the words of this book. Worship God, the angel said. And so we can say to ourselves and to others the same thing. Worship God. And that would conclude the first letter from the Apostle Paul to the church in Thessalonica nearly 2,000 years ago. There's so much to learn, so much to know, so much to understand. But all of it, when we're on that road to learning, to understanding, your faith will grow. Your knowledge, of course, will grow. Your understanding will grow. Your wisdom will grow. But that faith is what what keeps you together, that holds it all together for us to deal with life day by day. But never fear. God knows what's happening tomorrow. You don't need to worry about it. You just do the things that God has required you to do in his covenant, in his body, in the kingdom. If If we live there and if we act like we belong there, we have nothing to worry about tomorrow those would be my words today it is ryan here and i have a question for you what do you do when you win